0: So we'll start off by, I gave you two articles, Three, one was an article I wrote with uh, Mark Barrett and uh, Rachel Colby, this is while I was in New Zealand, and it's really about the development of cooperative learning through uh, professional learning or professional community groups. The reason why it was the paper was called uh, professional learning groups, not, uh, professional learning uh, communities, was that the teachers didn't like the term community. So I went with what they thought. So um, just so you know, over the last decade, New Zealand particularly has had a real growth uh, in its curriculum. So unlike other countries, and we'll talk about this later, some countries have a curriculum, some have national standards like the US, some uh, countries run uh, education through the state and others run it federally. In New Zealand, it's uh, run uh, through the government federally and there is a national curriculum. And the last one came out in 2007, but uh, in my uh, eight and a half years there, it was just coming into uh, effect in um, probably 2017, 2018. So it took about a decade to get uh, out there. So let's just talk about cooperative learning for a minute. There is a growing amount of research and we're writing reviews on it right now, actually. But uh, cooperative learning has had positive effect on academic achievement, self-worth, active learning, social development, empathy, caring, listening, uh, equity achievement, and also physical uh, skill development. So um, when we relate to the New Zealand curriculum, which is obviously different from the New Zealand or the the US standards, um, in the New Zealand curriculum, there are five key competencies, and of the five, four of them relate directly to cooperative learning as a pedagogical practice. First is uh, relating to others, so, in other words, people relating and talking to each other, active participation, and that's not just in physical education but all curriculum areas, Jennifer. So, even in math, you know, experiential learning, for example. Absolutely. Hopefully, thinking is valuable in any content area. Um, The New Zealand uh, educators, at one stage, they had a big debate whether they should call it critical thinking, but they decided to leave it with thinking, to leave that more open. And then managing self, which often managing self is something that's more of a behavioral or a uh, social emotional learning uh, skill that uh, teachers are looking for, but that is part of the New Zealand key competencies. So the New Zealand national uh, curriculum is similar to the U.S. standards, but also I've been to Israel and presented, it's similar there. I've been to Spain and presented, it's similar there. I've been to France, it's similar there. And I've been to Germany, it's similar there. And I've been to the U.K. and it's similar there. So I guess uh, the question I have for you all, so you don't all go to sleep in your various places, uh, is what we're talking about here similar to what your understanding of curriculum is? And I guess I'll, I'll put the f- uh, finger on Jennifer first because she's in math education. So what are your thoughts, Jennifer, about this?
1: Yeah, I, I thought that everything was really similar, actually, and, and appreciated in all of your articles, how you, um, made reference to, um, that, that it was being done with general ed. Um, but that there was this, this hole, right. This gap that had ended up becoming, um, your sort of niche in the world around it. Um, but you know, Kagan and cooperative learning and all of that stuff. And these, um, pieces felt really, really similar to me.
0: Okay, good. So uh, how about Ireland and China and South Korea folks there?
2: Yeah, so in Ireland we've just um, revised our, our uh, high school physical education curriculum uh, and something that maybe we, uh, we've we added maybe in our one and I said it com- might be a little bit ahead of the curve because mm-hmm. it's so new. Mm-hmm. It was um, just like an understanding of uh, the role of physical activity in sport in the social and cultural life of Ireland. Uh, which does link mm. into a lot of what New Zealand's talked about, but it's explicitly referenced that mm-hmm. um, one of the objectives or one of the outcomes of of, of the PE curriculum is that they have an, a cultural understanding of physical activity within an Irish context and what it, what it represents, but also an international one. And also, as well, uh, it, it gender uh, mm. is ma- mentioned. So that, that kind of points to what you talk about, uh, critical thinking, I guess, and stuff like that. Uh, so... We we it's 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 there it's it's in writing, um, but you know we're a bit early in relation to how well it's doing. Like they've piloted it with fifty schools in the country. It's about to go nationwide in Ireland. Um, eh, this this well next fall, so to speak. Uh, so there's been some very promising uh, responses to it. Uh, very good responses in schools, but we're still very early in terms of how teachers understand it. Right, very
0: good. Thank you. Uh, and of course, Ireland is ahead of the curve, as you'd expect. Uh, Eddie and uh, Xinyuan, wanna make a, a comment or we, we can move on if you don't, your choice?
3: Uh, yes, in, in China, uh, what I know is in China for the elementary and middle school, uh, high and also high school as well, they have, uh, they call it like physical education a house uh, curriculum. So it's, it's, not, it's not only physical education, it's physical and health education. And in China, we have a national curriculum. So in the, in the national curriculum, these uh, learning content standards are compulsory to meet. But also the there is space for the school, and they call it school-based curriculum. So it can be a, a supplement to the national uh, curriculum. So uh, uh, because when I uh, did my master's thesis, the topic for my master's thesis is the uh, administration framework for the Chinese PE curriculum. So in China, we have three level administration system. So it's a national state and school based. So the national standards is like compulsory, the content, and then the state and the school, they can adjust or adapt to the national curriculum based on their own resources. So it's quite flexible,
0: yeah. Very good. Thank you, Eddie. Thanks for the Chinese perspective. Mm -hmm. Xionion, any comments or?
4: Yeah, Uh, in South Korea, I think cooperative learning, some kind of characteristics or components of cooperative Mm -hmm. learnings are included Curriculum, the national curriculum for all the subjects, not only PE, as well as all other subjects. And I think um, it is included in the curriculum objective and also methodology. And also I think cooperative learning are kind of major part of our teaching contents also. Yeah.
0: Great, you and I should have some chats about that sometime.
4: Yeah.
3: and also is- i forget one uh, sorry, oh, wait, i sorry one point in the in no china uh, in terms of corporate learning in 2001 when we have our national education curriculum reform and the there is one sentence in the in the official document says the teachers and the educators should encourage the student to learn in a cooperative way so mm-hmm. at that time is a turning point for Chinese education system to encourage corporate learning, not only in PE, but, uh, but also in other uh, subjects or disciplines as well.
0: Great. Um, I'm going to move on, if that's okay, because uh, we've got a bunch of slides, and then I do want us to talk as well. And some of these slides, I did put them up on Canvas. I am going to rip through them, uh, So, uh, but if you have questions, uh, please ask. Um, So, a lot of this New Zealand stuff is based on Haora. Haora is a Māori philosophy, it has an interconnection between health and physical education, but it is a part of the general education as well and it is in the national curriculum. There are four dimensions, which are the physical, the mental, emotional, and social and spiritual. Interestingly enough, in the house that is the representation of Haora, there is no floor and the floor really is the political, which is uh, an interesting notion. Uh, The house and the Māori term is called a whare. So I'm moving on. So the purpose of this specific study that, uh, is one of the readings was, uh, to investigate uh, professional learning groups in physical education at the elementary level. Uh, it was a case study uh, based on stakes work and the phenomenon or the case was professional the professional learning group in physical education. Um, data was gathered from four uh, elementary schools. There were interviews, field notes, student tar sheets, but also there were a lot of inter, uh, informal chats and also a lot of things that aren't in the paper, like uh, we had – a formal a formal meeting each year and in addition to that we had hundreds and hundreds of emails which I probably should have kept and we should analyze but uh, I think uh, we've done enough moving on so first school uh, if you look at the uh, biography of the school it's very diverse 650 students 40% 40% Pacifica, so they could be coming from any one of the 50 islands of the Pacific, 30% Maori, which is the indigenous people of New Zealand, 30% Indian. So often Indian and Chinese are put together ethnic- eth- and then, uh, for ethnicity, but uh, we need to remember that they are two very different countries and groups. And then uh, approximately there was only 1% of white European uh, heritage. And 10% of the population was special ed. Uh, this is pronounced fotter fotta W-A-H in Maori is. So fotta fotta school, 645. Uh, you'll notice 25% of European, uh, actually, 40% European, 25% Chinese. Now this is There's a growing in different pockets in New Zealand. There's a growing Chinese population. 11% Indian, 8% Māori, 5% Pacifica, 5% Southeast Asian, which could be Korean or Japanese or Filipino. Moving on, Garrison. So this is a school that was two hours north of Auckland. It's a rural area, mainly European white uh, but 25% Māori and very few other races. Uh, then there was another school in this uh, rural area, or it was actually the sixth largest city of New Zealand, a. Um, approximately 60% white, 30% Māori, and then 2% Pacifica, uh, Pacific Island or uh, Asian. So moving on. Purpose of the study was to talk to generalist classroom teachers because in New Zealand, there are no or very few physical education specialists so most of the uh, physical education that's taught in the elementary school is taught by classroom teachers so that's important to remember and this was a professional learning group and cooperative learning to teach physical education so there's two layers of pedagogy there there's the cooperative learning pedagogy but there's also the physical education pedagogy so rather complex really so obviously there's a bunch of data collection and it's some of it there as i said earlier um i did use a modification of the uh task structure system to create this uh verification tool and i put it up that's the observation tool eddie i wanted you to particularly look at that which is the uh clvt which is up on canvas so it's a a um, yeah. potential way of assessing and observing cooperative learning and you might be able to use it in your hopefully the summer project when it gets going okay and yeah. we can discuss that uh next week okay moving on uh so teacher research team and so we're talking about co-constructing this together uh just so you know there were two teachers actually Three teachers at the school, at one of the, at, at, in this study, not just at one school, that actually did their masters with me, and one the one principal was doing his PhD with me. So it really was working with teachers, not on them. Then that's something you should take into account. Uh, so it was collaborative work, developing a professional learning group, uh, and working with these people by presenting them at, with them at conferences. And having multiple meetings, and we used to have multiple. I created meetings in our district, in our state, in our province, Auckland. We used to have uh, um, uh, semester, every term we'd have a, a meeting. We would invite everybody, and many of these people would, many of the people in the study, and then these schools would present. Um, and then, in terms of the research, as you've read, there were critical friends. So a critical friend was either myself or one of the graduates, three graduate students. There was a, well, actually two graduate students and a, um, a faculty member involved in this study. And the data analysis, you know, I have a bit of a, a worry about this. I, I make sure that we have good data analysis looking at, uh, this was Miles Fubin and Saldana, 2014, credibility, dependability, confirmability, and transferability. So moving on, data analysis, um, What well, it was improved and deepened by continually challenging what was going on by particularly the three authors that ended up writing this paper, which was and presenting at AERA. And that was uh, Rachel Colby and Mark Uh, Barrett. Now Mark is actually in, uh, he's a principal of a school in Saudi Arabia with his wife Sue right now. And uh, Rachel is an elementary teacher in Bethlehem, Bethlehem School in New Zealand. So the results, um, I guess this is a result that sort of uh, keeps on coming back to me in any study I do in cooperative learning with new pedagogical practices. It's very time consuming and it's a labor intensive project and often um, we have many problems and, issues and concerns carrying these studies out. So, you know, we don't write about this enough. Anyway, the themes that were came from this study are outlined there, and I'll just go through them quickly. So teachers' lack of educational preparation. So obviously, if these are teachers who are going to teach physical education, and they're not PE specialists, how many classes do they have? Um, anyone want to guess how many classes they had in physical education to be trained and certified as a teacher in physical education?:
2: Probably a semester's worth uh,
0: semester's worth. Yeah. So a semester's worth is one yeah you mean
2: one class or a number of classes? Uh, like, I would hope like 15 weeks of classes like it or in training like yeah.
0: Yeah, so uh, they had one class. And the class was the that I directed at the University of Auckland, and it was 36 hours, and 18 hours were health education, which was all book work and uh, projects and not physical, and then 18 hours was physical education. So they had 18 hours of physical education. Although there were a number of degrees in New Zealand, and there still are that have they do a one-year teacher certification. It's Judy, are you listening? <laughs> so in one year after doing a degree, they get certifici- certified to teach physical education or other content areas. And in that case, they got six hours of physical education and six hours of health. And then they are actually certified or they're not certifiable, but they're certified to teach health and physical education at the elementary. And this is going on all over the world. So no wonder we don't have high quality physical education at the elementary school. Can I, I better move on. Get off that soapbox. All right. Uh, Social skills needed for uh, cooperative learning. So a quote here from Ariana, I think cooperative learning to do well, uh, the positive social skills are required. So the development of how, work as a team, how to listen, how to learn to speak confidently in front of a group, uh, how to take feedback, and also to give feedback. So I think that's, in a positive manner, pretty good uh, answer from Ariana. Uh, Teachers' understanding of cooperative learning. And, you know, at the end of um, about four years of working on this, Tom, it's a pseudonym, I could give you his real name, but I won't. Um, uh, He said, I'm still trying to come to grips with cooperative learning. I see its benefits. I'll be pushing, it'll be pushing me uh, out of my comfort zone and trying new things. So at least it's trying to get him to move forward. And then teachers understanding of cooperative learning, obviously uh, they are still trying to come to terms with it. I think I copied uh, two uh, slides there. Uh, changing uh, pedagogy of uh, stu- to a student-focused, this was a big issue for teachers. Um, you can read the quote, uh, but essentially, the t- t- well, Layla's saying that, you know, the group processing, group processing, which is one of the elements of cooperative learning, did help students uh, and lead them to a good discussion. Um, so basically anything that would lead to a good discussion. Okay, I'm moving on because I do want to a- actually give some time for us to talk about this. So in addition, uh, teachers thought that we would need to promote individual accountability, uh, and the teachers used tar sheets to assign cooperative learning roles, uh, tried to keep the group sizes small, and also randomly choosing students' assignments so that they have to stay on task to be accountable. Uh, With any kind of work in any school, there are contextual limitations. So uh, time during the week to teach, uh, lesson length, crowded curriculum, and the amount of time to learn how to teach with cooperative learning. Obviously, all of you can relate to that. I'm just moving quickly uh, and then we can have some discussion in a short while. Uh, you'll be happy that we're at our conclusions. So if teachers start to have a philosophical alignment with cooperative learning, this appears to provide teachers with more of a resilience, I would say, to work through the various constraints presented to them in their work situations and that aligns with other research and publications. Uh, the teachers reported a shift to a more of a student-centered pedagogy and a move away from more directed style of teaching. So obviously we always want to see that, and that's also referenced in the literature. And um, I've got the kuru there on the left side because it's the Maori sort of emblem for harmony, new life, new beginning. So I guess it aligns to me with, uh, the comment of pedagogical change and pedagogical change takes time, support and critical reflection. And that aligns with lots of other publications and findings. So pedagogical change, uh, sources of anxiety for 11 out of the 12 teachers, um, uh, that it takes time and school timetabling and they have struggles of working in schools. And I don't, okay I'll have to fix up the slide that I don't have all the answers, but together we can do it is, you know, uh, a nice to have a final comment from a teacher that's positive. Okay. Moving on. So challenges, it's messy chaotic and doing research in schools always is like that but at least some teacher voice, uh, their views do matter. Uh, but as a famous uh, pedagogue in our area, Hal Lawson is quite often, comments, context does matter. And obviously, perhaps context matters more than anything. So some activities some of the kids were doing, this is a picture of the, So you can see there's quite a the multi ethnic, multicultural cultural kids. Uh, same here and same here and thank you and questions any questions from any of you about that paper realizing I
2: did really rip through it quickly and what was the what was the what type of professional development were the teachers getting before uh, uh, before this professional learning group began So training
0: uh, well essentially um, they had um, every semester they had a cooperative learning uh, half day and then um, every year we met the four schools met as a group to discuss so all the teachers got together and the Prince some of the principals came to discuss the issues related to cooperative learning as pedagogical practice. So it was very labor intensive. I I didn't do a heck of a lot else apart from that. Um, And um, uh, obviously the the critical friends were a big part of it. So uh, without the, the graduate students
2: and the other faculty member, I wouldn't be able to to carry it out, yeah. yeah and it, sorry, the, the, the I might I might the line might be greater. I'm sorry. So, what kind of professional development were they receiving before the the project began? Is is what I was wondering. Like, oh, was and it, cooperative like, learning. Well, not even cooperative learning, but like some even cooperative learning related practices or student-centered pedagogical practices was. Were they just day workshops, or was it like a professional development they had to seek out in their own time?
0: Oh no, no, that, I mean most of them hadn't received anything much. Anything at all, right? Yeah. So it was obviously varied. I, I you know, on on in hindsight, we probably should have asked that question, but we didn't ask that question. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. a good question. Yeah. Okay. Other people, anything?
5: I do have a question. So, um, at the GD. very beginning of this intervention, yep. when you were having the, the meetings, was it more about the cooperative learning structures similar to Kagan or were you actually going over physical education content? and how you can take a skills related or a general activity, physical activity lesson and then infusing cooperative learning.
0: That is a very good question. Actually, what we did was we started with cooperative learning and then we tried to infuse the physical education content into that. So, and we used Graham, Holt Hale and uh, Park. You might've heard of it. It's a textbook. Um,
5: I'm familiar, yes.
0: Uh, yeah, so uh, that that was sort of uh, the ref. All the, all the schools had a copy of that, and several of the teachers uh, had copies of that, and that was the textbook that we used at the the university. So when I taught that class, that was my my, and it was in our library, obviously. And so um, all the student, some of these teachers actually had come through our teacher preparation program, even though it was very small, one class, thirty six. Hours they still at least had a handle on what was going on uh, or at least seen the text. Um, and then what we did, we put chapters up and different parts of skill uh, the school theme approach. Like uh, at one stage, we sort of had a big focus on throwing and catching because I had noticed that particularly kids who were leaving elementary school were struggling with throwing and catching. So we just had a sort of a big uh, emphasis... On that, I mean, the, the kids that were in the cricket team or in the softball team, they were great, but the other 80% of the kids struggled. So um, does that answer your question?
5: Yeah, I was curious because uh, the, the second part that I connected to, and I guess is maybe because we had Phil Ward talk about um, yep. the lesson planning process at his institution, sure. but the the part in the article where you were talking about plan dependency and then how I right. started teaching his lesson. So that got me to start thinking about, and even with my own undergraduate students, how we are using... Obviously we're using children moving, um, but I've, I've let them. I've them what, what is,
0: sorry, what is children moving? Maybe tell the podcast people. What
5: children moving is. It's, it's the, the, the textbook that you're referring to George Graham and uh, Holt Hale and Parker's textbook with um, the skill theme approach, but they have the accompanied uh, on the move lesson plan book that breaks down. All
0: right. Good point.
5: Lessons. So yes. Uh, uh, something that just just almost as an experiment after listening to Phil Ward
2: uh-huh.
5: uh, earlier this semester, I've given yes. them some of the lesson plans to look at, but they on the premise that you can't use it verbatim, but you have to change it. And then of course, our reflection uh-huh. is again, what would you do for your next the next time you would teach it? So mm-hmm. I thought it was real uh, interesting that what Brian said in your paper is is very similar to what I'm actually seeing with uh, mm-hmm. my own elementary methods students is the fact uh-huh. that you know. I, I realized they don't know what they don't know
4: <laughs>
5: and to show them uh, an, an example just to get their feet wet and to get mm-hmm. themselves comfortable. But it's been really cool to see how their ideas, how this is a good starting point to generate good ideas for moving forward. So that's where I was just curious if you actually started with the PE content versus the Kagan strategies and cooperative learning.
0: And I'll be quite honest about this. Um, I think at times we bit off too much or more than we could chew. um, Because, you know, I think on reflection, going back and doing it again, I I would approach it differently. Uh, And that's probably the more important paper, which I haven't written because uh, I think uh, it really depends on the context. And the teachers that you have involved, and you, you know, uh, hopefully, you know, people can't just transplant this just like they can't transplant George's book, George Graham's book, into a context. They have to modify it to suit their their context in their kids. Is that fair?
5: Yeah. Thank you.
0: Okay. Thank you. Anybody else, folks? During this
3: professional learning development uh, in what way do evaluate the, you know,
0: the teacher's corporate learning performance? That is a good question. And it brings up this notion that, um, we haven't dealt very well with, which is, uh, you know, the fidelity of what goes on. So were they really doing cooperative learning or, you know, uh, they just doing group work? And I think we do need to do a better job of this. And I did allude to earlier in the podcast that there is a uh, systematic observation tool that Johnson & Johnson that I've, I'll make available for folks, but also there's uh, the cooperative learning verification tool, which is mm-hmm. a form of verification. Mm-hmm. The problem is I think uh we got so busy just trying to implement the work that we didn't focus on the evaluation side of it. So um, having observed some of the classes and I didn't observe all the classes, but the classes that I observed in the school that I worked was the critical friend for, um, I can tell you that when I observed classes, I did observe cooperative learning because uh, there was a specific cooperative learning structure that the teachers were using. Now, obviously, they didn't always use it in what we would say uh, copybook manner. In other words, they didn't always follow all the elements of cooperative learning. But uh, I think if we're doing projects in the future, it depends on where we're doing them, but th- I think that's a very important consideration, Eddie. Um, yeah, and I think it's a problem you know we've had going you know previously, and I think a lot of the models or the pe- the models post practices have had that issue. Yeah, fidelity.
3: Yeah, I, I noticed that the carbon learning uh, validity uh, validation tool is yeah. assess the uh, carbon learning fidelity from the. Uh, Observers' perspective. So yep. you have to have you have to have expert, uh, you know, corporate learning expert at presence to observe your yep. performers. Right so now, my yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. In fact, Eddie, if you want a project, I actually have videotapes of a lot of those classes, yeah. and I actually have the verification sheet done on some of those classes. Yeah. So we could uh, talk about it sometime, but uh, uh, I haven't written that up Yeah, That's a good question.
3: So, sorry, I, I, I just read one article and, uh, there is uh, some other researchers from Spain and Chile. They developed another one like corporate learning, uh, fidelity tool named the corporate learning application skill. So it assess the fidelity of the corporate learning implementation from
0: students' perspective. Great, so, can, you, uh, can, you, can you send that to me? Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. It's also tested with uh, high reliability and construct validity. But what I mean is uh, if for me, if I'm doing if for some teachers, they want to know if they're, if they're actually implementing corporate learning without presence of experts. So how can it? How can they evaluate on their own? So I think these two, from students' perspective, or maybe some other tools. Mm-hmm. So maybe there, there are other tools needed from students' perspectives to assess the fidelity. So to assess the, the fidelity of the their implementation, their corporate learning implementation.
0: Yes. No, they're, they're, and that would be a great. Uh, that'd be that could be your whole dissertation, Eddie, if you're interested. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, I just think, uh, for example, if I do my summer research, if I'm yep. the only person do it, yep. who, who are going to come to preserve to my class? So uh, yeah, so, I can yeah. videotape it and send it to the expert, yeah, that's way, yeah. but yep. also the assessment from, stu- from students' perspective might also provide another way to test the fidelity of the practice. So I just think in that way, yeah.
2: That's a great idea. They're good thoughts. Is that it? You'll have, you have two dissertations the way things are going. <laughs> okay. Uh,
0: anyone else want to ask a question and you don't have to.
1: Um I I so again, right, every time I read the something new that's centered in the PE world, I love that there's a connection for me that I'm a, always able to find. Great. And so when you talk about your your general education teachers, right, who Uh really felt like they didn't have this PE knowledge. Right. As a, you know, as a math coach in a school, uh, my last teaching assignment where um, the entire math department, aside from myself, were all lateral entry teachers, Hmm. they also lacked the Mm -hmm. content knowledge and the... Mm -hmm any pedagogical knowledge really right. Because, right because they were because of the nature of being lateral entry right so they had a degree in accounting mm-hmm. or they had a degree in business mm-hmm. or business management or something that brought them to middle mm-hmm. school mathematics so i my brain always starts to just start thinking about you know it it would that would similar things be happening if we were you know if we were honing in on cooperative learning and then you know I would have to dig in and say okay mm-hmm. well let 's talk about you know numeracy mm-hmm. that 's going to be the skill that we hone in on or let 's talk about you know proportions, which is a you know another big one mm-hmm. um, that just people don 't know right in that same way so I appreciate always being able to do that what i what struck me this time. Um, and I was glad to be able to read this one again. This was the second time actually I've read this article of yours is mm-hmm. that um, that the teacher's main complaint, right? With mm-hmm. cooperative learning was the amount of extra time to understand and implement the cooperative learning structures and the cooperative learning roles. So the teacher educator in me and the former veteran teacher. So Judy, you can feel free to chime in if you want to. Mm-hmm says, get over it. It all takes time. I'm tired of you saying this to me, right? I'm tired of you saying, I'm not going to do restorative practices because it takes time. I'm Mm -hmm. not going to do cooperative learning because it takes time. Like, I end up having this response that says, what can I do, right, as a scholar to say, but wait, this is time well spent. And how do we, how do we turn that? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, because clearly it happened for you in this, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. They, these mm-hmm. four things, the, these mm-hmm. four findings that you found and the four that you found with the students mm-hmm. in the related article, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, All the same things. Like we could have just picked up the word physical education and dropped in any other content um, in some ways. Right. And so I don't know, what can we do? Cause um, we, we have to get over this. Time has to stop being the reason.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's not good enough anymore, Yeah, I guess.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, uh, the, juxtaposed to that is the teachers in the trenches and all the issues that they're dealing with, you know, particularly right now and when kids come back to school after, you know, mm-hmm. Uh Uh, we deal with uh, COVID-19, but um, I think that, you know, there is some very good work done by many good teachers and uh, they don't all have that attitude. But, you know, uh, I guess uh, I've had the fortune of working with a number of very good teachers and uh, things haven't always gone my way, you know. I I I I should really write about all the all the problems and the hiccups, and I think going forward I'm going to encourage all of you when you do your dissertations, Jennifer, Judy, Chun-Yun, uh, Eddie, and Donald, to be cognizant of the stuff that doesn't work because uh, in the literature we don't do a good enough job of re- reporting or representing things that do not work, and then many of us keep on making the same mistakes over and over again.
2: And to follow on from that, Ben, I think uh, and Jennifer, to allude to your point as well too, is that we're, uh, this, it this. is a sense of saturation as well too, uh, for, for teachers. Um, uh, you know, I can remember uh, teaching uh, in physical education back in Ireland and a teacher looking in the door and i was just following maybe basic sort of uh, cooperative structures and groups so they were working mm-hmm. in groups to do a, just for instance a, a gymnastics performance mm-hmm. and their their mind was completely blown uh you know right uh and uh you know i think that you know when i talk i know i talked another i think was it last week or the week before about you know the basic point in the ladder or the basic step is that Instead of you know get, getting too far ahead of ourselves, we really need to start at the most basic point, which is actually, you know, getting a, a st- what, what, if you can get one structure in place as a teacher, you're doing better than than before.
1: Yes. And we
2: talk about these five structures, and I think you know there's that sense of saturation or complication that just you know mind blows teachers as well too. Mind blows me as well when I was teaching because mm-hmm. I would take these take one piece of one of it and maybe put it into a, a class or some content I was teaching and then move on again. And I suppose that's, you know, again, it's just about trying to keep it really simple because, you know, it is a, it, at the end of it all, it's a very simple concept. They work together, you know, <laughs> and they learn, they'll learn better when they're working together. Right. Uh, but how that's done then of course with fidelity, like Ben is talking, I think is the key question, but certainly complicating or confusing, or saturating teachers with this too much knowledge, I suppose, uh, doesn't help.
1: And do, by that do you mean Donald just in the moment with our projects with this research to not inundate in the moment with them? Because I, I feel like as a I, I never got inundated just as an educator out in the world, right? But I was also never a part of anyone's research, or or I never reached out to be someone. Who said, "Hey, come help me do this"? Right? I was always having to do it on my own. So, do you mean that in the moment we need to be cognizant about how much information we're giving?
2: Um, well, yeah, context does matter, uh, Jennifer. Right. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just, I just think that you know, it, I mean, if you can start with the with the basic stuff, I mean, I, I mean, we see this professional learning group would have had critical friends that live in, right. in, in Ben schools in New Zealand they were very well supported. They supported themselves. And yeah, you know, I, I think, you know, it just, it's different strokes for different places as well too, that I think if I was trying to introduce this to teachers in my school that I worked in, if I got one of those things done in one class or, you know what I mean? Or if I got them to right. do that maybe once every yes. two or three lessons, I'd be really happy. Like, it. you know what I mean? Yes. And that's where you have to, and then from my experience, that's really, really you know, that, that that's success as well. And then you can maybe take the next step to, you know, with more fidelity, so to speak. But I mean, if you're trying to in- introduce fidelity with three or four different things at one point, uh, it's going to be, you know, it takes time. Uh, like Ben's project show, the teachers, they were anxious, they were frustrated. Uh, I mean, Ben might be able to speak for this rather than me, I suppose, was that project was that by the end, did they feel that they were... Uh, by the end, Ben, did they did they really feel they were master teachers of cooperative learning?
3: No. Yeah, mm-hmm. added to that point, uh, there in Ben's one article, uh, Ben and Rubin, two thousand three, uh-huh. and you suggest it, it was best to focus on one or two corporate learning structures at a time. Okay, so, which means it's really uh, we should build up from the basis, yeah, from basic. From simplest, yeah. yeah, to simplify the the starting, you know, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, and uh, that was Alison Rubin in New Hampshire, very wise uh, woman. Uh, I think uh, you know, as I said just a minute ago, mm-hmm. there's a lot of uh, stuff that went on beyond beyond the paper, uh, and uh, the the good thing though that, that you know, I could still walk into these four schools today, and that still offer me a cup of tea and we'd sit down and have morning tea so I didn't burn the bridges I didn't uh, push them too hard at times I wish I could have pushed them further sometimes but you know in the end uh, I think a lot of them did get stuff out of it and then I've still got teachers who email me every so often telling me about stuff they do so that's a big reward um any other questions with this paper folks and then i want to move on to the other one because then i want to have a discussion of uh try to make uh, the notion of cooperative learning and pedagogical practice
2: and anything else that's on your mind um just thinking just in relation to like teacher uh, professional development as well too i know yes uh was there uh, i read Was there internationally there um a university that offered cooperative learning as a kind of a uh, sort of a crash course in it sort of not as a university uh, diploma but just as a kind of a course for teachers and stuff like that and it didn't uh, it didn't uh, I don't think uh, it got its full subscription or they're, they're revising it to send it out again to for for people to sign up to and you know I think this has to be uh, this kind of work, uh, this kind of, if you're going to be working with these teachers and, and introducing a cooperative learning structure, you have to be. It has to be done in the school. It can't be doing done outside it with these mm-hmm. workshops or these other types of courses. Like they have to be doing it every day, or be, you know, uh, or yeah. at least be involved in the school and in the class with the students, yeah. mm-hmm. rather than you know. But like again, now you could say that about any anything we've talked about, I suppose. Right, know. any pedagogy that seems to get some.
0: St- Dick in some uh, resilience or you know being able to be maintained, so yeah, the idea so that's why we called it a professional learning group and then other things that we did that aren't written in the papers. we had you know uh, you know uh, Google docs where you know papers were put up on the Google Doc for the teachers, uh, and also they put stuff up um, one stage we had a session on you know for example you know, just developing kids' basic social skills because they felt that their students in their classes weren't able to talk to each other very well in in an appropriate manner. Or, you know, there were a lot of fights in the playground, so we had, you know, sessions on, you know, using restorative practice, you know, uh, type work to get the kids to talk to each other in an appropriate manner. So, you know... There were a whole lot of other little things going on or things that were important to the functioning of these pedagogies that aren't discussed in the paper obviously all right if it's if there is any other questions i'm going to move on to the next paper is that okay yeah a- any
4: question uh oh,
0: i have right. a, go for it
4: yeah i have a comment it's not a question sure. no because- problem I wrote a critical analysis paper about model-based practice. So mm-hmm. I just want to share a mm-hmm. quote that I wrote. So I wrote, frustration and confusion that teacher might experience when implementing model-based practice mm-hmm. can strengthen their teaching professionalism through invoking a higher level of deliberation on what and how it should be taught in order to achieve the most desirable learning outcomes in their own context. So you gave me another question about (laughs) this quote. So do you think this is healthy environment for teachers? So, I just want to share my thoughts Mm. uh, related to cooperative learning. So for me, I think I would not say it is healthy, but Mm -hmm. I think for me, um, it is inevitable for them to go through confusion and Mm -hmm. frustration. Uh, in my understanding, um, Mm
2: -hmm.
4: teaching needs learning consistently, like -hmm. teaching job needs learning at the same time. So I think confusion and Mm -hmm. frustration they Mm -hmm. might experience during Mm -hmm. the professional learning community. So Mm -hmm. I think that can be a motivation for teachers to move forward. So Mm
1: -hmm. yeah,
4: I think for some teachers, they, they can just teach similar contents again and again and they really don't need to make progress sometimes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but um, if they can experience some kind of frustration and confusion during their time in um, professional learning community to implement new, new pedagogical models like mm-hmm. cooperative learning, mm-hmm. I think that can be really helpful for teachers to um, make their teaching job better.
0: I agree 100%. In fact, you make me think of, and I wish Klaus Kreider, the professor who was here from Hamburg a couple of weeks ago, remember when Klaus was here? Um, His group at the University of Hamburg, they have a group called Uncertainty. So what they do is they try to set up situations for their students in their classes, but also their teachers in the teacher preparation program that create uncertainty, and to me, it's like problem solving. Mm-hmm. It's not simple. It's complicated. It's frustrating at times. Sometimes it's an easy solution. Sometimes it's a much more drawn out solution.
3: Mm-hmm. So,
0: sort of, uh, I think it's some. It's along similar lines to what you're talking about. So, um, if we let, hit our cup half forward, say teaching is full of a whole lot of challenges <laughs> and if we're having our cup half empty we might say teaching is full of a whole of a whole lot of frustrations maybe
4: yes.
0: is that fair yeah okay great comment thank you very much Shinyan. okay moving on to the next paper the next paper is uh one that i have to thank a couple of our colleagues here D- donal and uh Yan Hua or Eddie, for yeah. support and uh, help with this. Um, it's a little unusual, but um, the theoretical framework for the paper was social constructivism and based on the New Zealand curriculum. And I'm just going to rip through this, but if anyone has a question, just yell out. Um, and it's research in elementary schools it's really with students and I rewrote this and I think on the version that I put on canvas it's really collaboration with students and it's a collaboration with students teachers and principals but it's all about students really so it's investigating the students view of the development of social emotional learning and it's in elementary it's in physical education and it's in cooperative learning so we've got the last paper was about physical education and about cooperative learning. And now we've sort of added this extra thing on social emotional learning. <laughs> so what is social emotional learning? Well, this is one definition that we've been using from Jones, Stephanie Jones from Harvard. Uh, and she talks about uh, social emotional behavior, character, uh, skills required to be successful in schooling, workplace relationships, and you know, being a good citizen basically. Moving on. So, the purpose of the paper was to look at the students' views of the development of social-emotional learning. And uh, the cl- there was a collaboration, obviously, with the schools and the teachers and the principals. That, that the, the collaboration, we couldn't have actually talked to the students. So, this was part of that setup from the former paper. Moving on. Uh, good. Okay. Uh, So, social-emotional learning, there's a paucity of research on social-emotional learning in New Zealand, and I'd argue worldwide in the sense of really getting at the qualitative analysis of what's going on in schools with teachers and students and kids and principals. Um, Again, since we're coming from New Zealand, we've got the notion of haora, the interconnectedness of health and physical education and general education, but also uh, physical, mental, social, emotional, spiritual, and political. So the purpose of this paper was to investigate what was the development of students in physical education using cooperative learning practice. It was case study design. So in this case, the phenomenon or the case that we're looking at is social and emotional learning was under investigation. And data was gathered from mainly interviews and field notes. But uh, Eddie and Donald, I haven't talked about these tar sheets. We actually have tar sheets too. So um, maybe after we get this paper published, we'll talk about that. <laughs> Moving on, this paper actually is in review right now. And we've sent it back after a second revision. So we're hoping it will be published. And it's actually, we're presenting it at AERA, although it'll be virtual AERA. Um, and data analysis uh, looked at trust through worthiness, through credibility, dependability, conferability, and transferability, Miles, Huberman, and Sildana. Moving on, so to the themes. Now, I know on one of my slides and one of my versions, I did have the elements of cooperative learning. And so, Just to back up, I know you're all, the five of you, but people in the podcast may not be aware of the five main elements of cooperative learning, and I'll just make sure they're on a slide that becomes available for people. They are positive interdependence, so we rely on others to be successful. They are individual accountability. So we're talking about individual accountability, but just be aware that individual accountability could be for any one of the domains of learning. So it could be for physical, it could be for cognitive development uh, or achievement. It could be for social, emotional learning and that development. So developing better listening skills, developing better caring skills, developing better talking skills. Uh, The other three elements are face-to-face interaction. So we're all face-to-face on our computers. So we're all face-to-face interacting. In some form, anyway. And then um, interpersonal and small group skills. Everybody today's asked a question, everyone's contributing. So I think we've got some interpersonal and small group skills going. Um, and then uh, the group processing, hopefully, we'll get to this after this paper. To me, group processing is a reflective dialogue. I think uh, when we're doing a restorative practice piece with Michael last week, I may have said that I think um, restorative practice is like group processing on steroids. So in other words, it's a very highly developed form of uh, restorative practice, a very highly developed form of group processing. Um, So everyone okay with that? Shall I move on? Moving on to the themes. So themes being part of a team listing, Uh, Learning to listen and encouraging others and making uh, physical education fear. That's an interesting one. All right. So being part of a team. So uh, practices or tasks, promoting social emotional learning, equip students to handle life's uncertainties, build and maintain quality relationships. So that's actually not stated in our paper, but it's something that I thought was appropriate. So I'm slipping it in there. Durnal and Eddie, and for the rest of you. Um, But applying these cooperative learning practices, students uh, enjoyed the experiences. Uh, They appeared to, anyway, from my understanding and from the critical friend's understanding and from the teacher's perspectives. The teachers commented on that repeatedly. And um, there was some responsibility being taken part by the students. And so there's a quote here from Rata. Um, I liked the relying on others because like people would actually include you. Uh, They would make you feel like you're actually part of what they're doing. So uh, I think that's a pretty cool quote from Rata. Moving on, learning to listen. So many students, you know, kids come in and we come into everyday situations and we aren't good at listening either. So I think, uh, all of us could learn to listen a little better so these kids were at least talking about how they learned to listen so getting to hear each other's ideas and like what other people have to say about the game so that helped uh, Kyle recognize uh, the need to respect other people so you know I guess that indicated that at times Kyle maybe doesn't respect everybody that he plays with or he spends with activities or games in physical education. Uh, uh, Self-managing by listening and not talking over someone else. This is a very important skill for all of us. And we sometimes as academics, we do that too often. (laughs) Uh, I could put my hand up. Sorry, uh, whenever I've talked over any of you, I apologize. But I'm sure I've done that sometime. Um, So Darcy was learning that uh, I'm learning to not talk over the person who is uh, trying to tell you, like, if you're losing. So, (laughs) you know, so when someone's giving you the word and say, hey, you're losing, um, he's trying to be polite and not uh, heighten the situation and create a uh, conflict. So encouraging others, this motivated students to perceive through the uncertainty. So you'll notice on, um, so shin uh, you thank you for bringing up that notion that, you know, we have frustration and we have challenge when we do any of these models-based practices. And I, I maybe, it might be interesting for us to explore writing a paper on uncertainty of that. And so we did talk about at the end of this class, perhaps writing different papers uh, on pedagogical practice. And that might be an interesting one. Are you interested in that?
4: Yeah. (laughs) Of course. Good.
0: So it makes me feel a lot better, and it makes me want to go on. So, you know, Jake, um, and this, I don't need to give you all the details, but this this student um, I remember, and they did have a lot of uncertainty coming from their home life, as many children do. And so uh, in education, we can actually provide that stability and that certainty, which they don't get at home, and and that's extremely important. Mm -hmm. Moving on. The next slide is very crowded, I think, and very busy. Oh, sorry. (laughs) I added an extra quote in there today. But making physical education fair, wouldn't that be interesting? Making sport fair, making games fair, that would be a very interesting concept for us to try to work on. So, um, some of the things the kids said were, and Kristen said, should um, student emphasize the need for teachers to make sure that each one of, uh, one was well balanced in terms of the team. Not, In other words, not letting kids pick teams and having them very unbalanced and the, leaving some people always to last, as we know is an important pedagogical skill not to leave the same people last all the time because it doesn't make us feel well. I know I didn't enjoy it when I was a kid. Um, so the sporty people, the non-sporty people, the girls, boys, all different ages, and they're all in the same team. So this brings up one of the big uh, uh, elements or concepts of, it's not really an element, it's a concept of physical education and cooperative learning. And that is heterogeneity or uh, one of the goals of uh, cooperative learning is to create heterogeneous environments. So I've talked enough, uh, for this bit, uh, what is heterogeneity in your specific context or in a context that you can refer to? And now I'm asking you all out there in, uh, Chapel Hill and Greensboro and Charlotte. And, uh, where are you Eddie? You're in, um, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh,
3: yeah. I start.
0: So, if you what want is
3: heterogeneous in your specific context. Uh, okay, take an example of my soccer class. Great idea. Uh, yeah, that's much easier for me to explain. So, because the students are in my soccer class, they are at different levels of proficiency in soccer skills. So when I Put them together to play a game. So I want like the heterogeneous groupie together. Mm-hmm. So which means uh, some, you know, in the in the beginning of semester, I have a task for the students in our for, at our first meeting, and I ask the student to line up based on their experiences in soccer. So mm-hmm. the most experienced players will stand, for example, on the right hand mm-hmm. and the least experienced students will stand on the right hand. So they will line mm-hmm. up. So I will know basically know their, you know, what's the differences between their levels.
4: Mm-hmm. And
3: every time, uh, so for the first time we play the game, I remember in the gym because it was so many raining days. Uh, in a, in a, you know in a February and March and we played in the gym and in the gym I asked the ask them again line up and then I just pick up the students from different you know groups of proficiency so each I just want to to, to be sure the team uh, are consisted of experienced player and the least experienced players so that is uh one example for for how i use heterogeneous grouping in my class to 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 be to how to say to make a fair for each group Mm -hmm. so that they are not be uh overloaded or some you know might there might not be so much difference between groups Mm -hmm. and they might not have a fair game so right my example yeah
0: good example thank you anybody else
2: I know from uh, my kind, con- well I worked in a similar context as opposed to when I was working now in the university but it was a high school teacher in Ireland. Mm-hmm. We would have had, for instance, um, in, my, in the last school, of, for, or the school I was working in, we would have had 30 students uh, in a mm-hmm. physical education class which isn't anything abnormal. You look at uh, other contexts, but uh, mm-hmm. I mean we would have had students um, with uh, a, a physical disabilities, learning disabilities. Uh, we would have also had students with uh, moderate to general learning disabilities as well, Down syndrome and stuff like that, that we used to bring into the classes. And we were trying to mix these groups together and get them to work as well too. Um, and physical education was a great place we found to do it. Um, the Irish context is a little bit more kind of trickier, well not so much dissimilar either in terms of heterogeneity because a lot of the schools are separated by gender, so you have male and female schools. Um, but again, if I look at the school I was in, which was just a boys' school, heterogeneity, um, mm-hmm. really meant that, you know, it, 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 because it's a physical education class your heterogeneity is going to be, you know, very apparent, uh, the same way it's going to be apparent in an, a maths class for Jennifer as well too, mm-hmm. compared to what you might find in other types of settings. So, it, mm-hmm. it, you know, you can't just, uh, streamline people i suppose is that is, is what i'm trying to get here is that there is a mm-hmm. a, a large uh, different things and i suppose what cooperative learning we found with this paper as well uh, mm-hmm. uh ben was that a cooperative as a model cooperative learning seems to be hitting on heterogeneity and, and this notion of making physical education fair seems to be mm-hmm. hitting on it quite well um there's other work done i think in spain isn't it from um mm-hmm. i forget the name is it um from uh, Javier, Javier is at Flintoff, I think, as well. And uh, well, Sanchez, Fl- Flintoff
0: is actually uh, and Flintoff uh, is is British. So, yeah, uh, yeah. So from the UK as well. Yeah, that, um yeah,
2: so, that's a great. And they're, and they're finding that I suppose cooperative learning has mm-hmm. helped is, is with these mixed groups in terms, of, not just in terms of, in in terms of heterogeneity, it has really helped these groups to, you know get everybody on the same level of learning and and bring everybody along as well too, you know? Right. Now uh,
0: you bring up a very good point. uh, And I, uh, that we're, you and Eddie are basically foregrounding physical, but you brought in math for Jennifer. So obviously the heterogeneity or the heterogeneous uh, group in math would be different from the heterogeneous group in in uh, physical education or the heterogeneous group in English. Uh, so it depends on what content or what uh, learning intention we have mm-hmm. should d- d- determine what, uh, how we set up the groups. And we're not very good at that sometimes, I think. When we look at, for example, the social-emotional learning development of the kids, do we think about how do we set up a group so that, to help kids be able to uh, communicate uh, effectively with each other, you know, with the shy kids and the gregarious kids, you know. Anyway, moving on. Uh, other people's perspectives, please, if you've got any.
1: Well, I can piggyback off yeah, of that since math sure. got brought up, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I struggle with this concept a little. Of yep, course, um, you do. Good because, well, for for a couple of reasons, and I think a lot of it some it has to do sometimes with my the big picture, right? Mm-hmm. So I taught gifted kids, quote, mm-hmm. gifted children, mm-hmm. um, for the last ten years of my experience, and. I guess the first thing that I would want to say is even within a school that you had to meet criteria in order to be part of the school and then we skimmed the top scores in order Mm -hmm. to be in this building, there was a range of skill level and it would be the same, I would imagine, if there were a way, and I'm not suggesting this, but if there were a way to just sort of somehow test out the sporty kids right and put them in a school you would end up with kids who were um whose focus was a specific sport or whose focus you know they were better at this than they were at that and so that happens even in spaces that are designed especially i think at the middle school level for quote gifted children the interesting piece that comes up for me and i i think you guys have mentioned this for in physical education as well is that 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 sort of uber brilliant right Mm -hmm. does not want to play with the kid who who can't get it so that 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 truly sort of gifted mathematician i struggled to put a lower level kid with them because they they refused to play Right, mm-hmm. they refuse to to support. They refuse to mm-hmm. do all of these things, and so that brought in its own frustrations around it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, in the same in the same vein, and, and uh, you know, I had leveled classrooms, so I had students who were in the eighth grade but taking you know, high school geometry. And then I had kids that were in the eighth grade and taking high school algebra. And I had kids in the eighth grade who were taking eighth grade math. So we were already broken out and and, and homogeneous, in which mm-hmm. case I then had to create mm-hmm. heterogeneous groups inside those spaces. Mm-hmm. So it's I find it I, I struggle with all of this. I, mm-hmm. I, and what's the best way to get, um, you know, kids comfortable, feeling like, I mean, all of these things that you were talking about, how do we get kids to be part of a team and learn to listen? Mm -hmm. And how do we encourage them? And how do we make, you know, mathematical competition fair? It's all the same, (laughs) right? Because you play a game in math class and everybody wants to, everybody knows who the smart kid is in the room. And everybody knows who the kid is that's not good at this. And so that concept, I I enjoyed reading this article because of those four um, findings that felt, um, again, like they were things we needed to be talking about in core classrooms.
0: Great. Uh, Thanks for your perspective, uh, Jennifer. Anybody else? And you don't have to chime in. We can move on. 30-second delay, 10, (laughs) 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2. Okay, moving on. No drama.
1: Very Uh, nice wait time. Very nice. Very nice wait time. Thanks,
0: Jennifer. Uh, So when we're talking about this uh, heterogeneous grouping, uh, in particular, as the slide goes on, girls experienced marginality and frustration in uh, the early classes from our findings. Uh, And I think we need to work on including people in our group, listening to everybody's ideas. So, you know, we did this, this study was for two years. uh, And so I'm glad to hear that uh, from the quote that, or the the reference to quote that it, At the beginning of the the study, um, there was less inclusion. And by the end of the study, I don't have the quote, but I'm hoping there was more inclusion. Um, That's what I'm taking out of it. So working in mixed groups and making things fair for everyone allowed students to learn from each other. And a quote from Madeline was, I like being in different groups with boys and girls because you can get to know each other better and you can learn heaps from things and uh, you can learn from your mistakes. So uh, to me, that implies that Madeline was okay b- making mistakes even with boys there and with her girlfriends there. So that's kind of cool too.
2: And what's, I suppose, been what's cool about this is the simplicity of it as well too. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I, I, I know I've said it, but like cooperative learning has shown itself to be effective in stu- helping students develop social awareness and relationship skills uh, with mainstream students, moderate special ed needs students in elementary, mm. middle, in France, Spain, Sweden. The, mm-hmm. I don't know the studies off the top of my head. Right. Um, but what we don't have a lot of it is mm. the students saying it themselves. Right. Uh, you know, and to have students come out of a, a classroom. Yeah. Uh, or come out of schools and sit down and be able to describe it. And again, it's not, it's not crystal clear the language, but it's the students talking in right. the world and the way they understand it. This is very descriptive. This was a this is the, the data set we had here. Was, remember, we, like we argued over quotes and stuff that we should be yeah. that we could include and that were brilliant and we had to leave out. But students, yeah. uh, loads and loads of students were saying oh yeah, this is what we did to overcome this issue or this is how we included people and this is how Mm. we solved it, you know? And we don't have a lot of that kind of data uh, with a lot of studies. It's generally been taken from a quantitative side Mm -hmm. uh, or it's been measurement scales to, 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 to perceive or to measure whether that's been done or not, you know?
0: Right. Particularly in, well, when we look at social emotional learning, the majority of the studies out there are, as you have just indicated, are quantitative. And so this study is an example of a qualitative social-emotional learning study with student voice, which is very unusual. Thanks for highlighting that, dial Okay, moving on. So the, so the findings, you know, like, and this is just some of them, and uh, I'll rip through these and then certainly uh, ask you at the bottom of the, that says, so be thinking about what it, what is your country's national curriculum or national standards? So, and I think we've already talked about that, but if you want to add to that, you can. Um, so in this study, it seemed that the cooperative learning, learning intentions were aligned with the New Zealand curriculum, specifically with thinking, the, the key competencies from the New Zealand curriculum, which are thinking and still are relating to others, managing self and participating and contributing. Um, and many countries, as we talked about earlier, have national curriculums or national standards that are similar to these, not and as Jennifer noticed and noted, not just in physical education and in health, but also in other content areas. So, does anyone have a quick comment about that, or shall we move on? We've already talked about this. I'm looking at the clock and saying we're going to be done in 22 minutes by 7:15. Are we I, able to...
2: Yeah, I actually do want to hijack this one again, Ben, because oh, I'm. I'm sure, thinking... all no drama, mate. but I'm just thinking of the Irish context and the new curriculum that we have. And <laughs> I just said, how oh, it's a new one and mm-hmm. it hasn't really been tried and tested, but like there is mm-hmm. a, so there's, we have a section or uh called like mm-hmm. uh, contemporary issues, mm-hmm. uh, physical education. And one of them, one of the topics that students study now for their, uh, say students between 16, 17, 18 years of age in Ireland is the topic is physical activity and inclusion. Uh, mm-hmm. and so in this it's, hypothesized as well as students learn about supports and barriers to physical activity participation for selected groups uh, addressing barriers to physical activity uh, Developments in physical activity and sporting opportunities over the past 20 years to do this and then also in particular adapted physical activity Uh, And not a lot of curriculum have these like stated imprinted and you know having this in your in your curriculum or have, in, especially in physical education curriculums or standards, there's not a lot of standards around the world, I think, that really target these, target those so explicitly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, it, it's not, we're not necessarily sure if these are still being done in classes right now, but at least it's been, it's there in writing. That means when we now look at how we can get the teachers to start doing this with their mm-hmm. students, things like cooperative learning, really are going to be really are are going to be useful so you know it's about getting again it comes back to the teachers that there's no point having this down in writing ireland has this really fancy like this really contemporary curriculum design here now with specifications as well for our high school students but unless we have teachers that are able to uh, have the pedagogical approaches to help students to learn about this themselves there's going to be problems i guess you know
0: Thank you, Donald. That's great. Um, Good comment. And uh, of course, Ireland's ahead of the game, as you'd expect. Uh, As I would expect, uh, especially after St. Patrick's Day yesterday. Uh, And uh, congratulations on a great St. Patrick's Day yesterday. I'm sure you had a good time.
2: I did. Thanks, Ben.
0: Any other comments from other folks? ten nine eight seven, six, five four, three, two. moving on. Uh, so one of the next papers we're working on, believe it or not, because uh, we're just suckers for punishment, um, is in and around these what's listed here actually, but the, the, the comment the first comment is really related to that teachers in New Zealand, really focus on healthy social emotional learning environments in their classes. And they are concerned with academics, but this sort of kid being a good life citizen seems to be, appears to be more important than whether the kids are going to be doing well in math and uh, literacy, which I think is fantastic. Um, and, uh, but there are these strategies that have been developed um, and so often these strategies create uh, as we're coming back to this German term, Klaus would love this, I have to send him these slides, uncertainty for teachers and uncertainty for students. And in one of the papers that we're working on, and Donald could talk about this a little bit if he wants or not, but One of the key concepts is actually teachers helping kids talk appropriately to each other and to the teacher. Sounds very simple, but extremely important in terms of someone's social and emotional development and uh, life in general. I'm going to move on. Uh, but anyone can make a comment uh, at the end of this circle time. So, uh, who talked about circle time last week? Anybody? Did anyone listen to the podcast on restorative practice? People, are we all sleeping now?
2: Well, Michael Henfield, you're talking about is Where's it. Where's Michael Henfield? Yeah.
0: So, obviously, circle time, or in physical education, cooperative learning, we'd call it. Uh, uh, group processing, small group work, obviously a big part of uh, cooperative learning, uh, sharing one resource. So uh, if you share one resource, it helps you develop tasks that create one of the cooperative learning um, uh, elements, which is positive independence. And then we've got modeling the behavior and modeling behavior is a strategy that many teachers use and, um, then they ask their students to use uh, f- for learning and for their learning intentions. Any comments about that,
2: folks? Uh, I think just in relation to the model and the behavior, just to kind of uh, elaborate on that a little bit, is that uh, we're all teachers here. And I think if we ask ourselves, how many times have we actually demonstrated social emotional competencies with our students in our classes? You know. Mm-hmm. Do we do it all the time? And what you know, we, a lot of it comes back to Michael's work there with about this punitive uh, interactions and these actual uh, restorative interactions. Uh, so you know, it's it's one thing to be teaching SEL, but are we actually embodying SEL or social emotional learning ourselves as well too? And I think that's where the cooperative learning, I suppose, is that the teacher doesn't be, isn't the main figurehead either in this approach. It's the students themselves, and they're the ones that are really. Uh, teaching I suppose or they're, they're taking a very centered role in what's happening rather than the teacher themselves and if the teacher can join them in that role then it's it, it makes it all the much all the more easier as well when students see a teacher responding to them I suppose in a way that uh, it makes them feel it makes it feel like an equitable environment to them you know mm-hmm. yep and it's you know obviously part of
0: cooperative learning is this notion of student-centered And the best cooperative learning is where the student is actually driving it, and it would actually be moving towards, and I'd like to bring, you know, the German philosophy of Bildung back in here. It would be like the notion of Bildung, where it is totally driven by the student and the student's own learning intentions.
5: Um, I'd like to chime in a little bit here too as well. I think uh, what kind of comes to mind instead of just modeling the behavior, but I think it's called the art of capitalizing on the teachable moment in the mm -hmm. class when you have uh, something going on. I'm I'm having some flashbacks of my first Mm -hmm. few years of teaching elementary school where um, when I started teaching my first elementary school, actually it was my, my, my third position, but it was my first, a school in North Carolina. So I was taking over for a teacher who played lots of games <laughs> and the kids wanted to play games. They wanted to pick their own teams. It was, you know, that, that whole story, but What was really interesting was when I was trying to um, bring in more of the skill themes approach since I have studied with Graham and uh, (laughs) that was a transition and a lot of times and something that I took a note on when, when in the conclusion of this paper, what I really enjoyed reading about was how often in teaching do we feel comfortable creating disruptions for students. Mm. It's one of those things where I think, especially in the light of all of this going on with COVID-19 and having Mm -hmm. so many teachers having to uh, go into a a space that is uncomfortable. A a lot of times in education, we don't allow ourselves to be able to critically analyze because we're we're not comfortable putting ourselves in a critical space. (laughs) So I think about some of those times where, you know, I had these conversations with kids and said, okay, great, let's, let's try your game. And We'll see how it goes, and then, of course, as we all know, when the, the kids are not skilled enough to execute what they need to do in a game, then arguments happen, and that's the best time to just stop it right before it gets, you know, too out of control, but to really be able to talk them through that disruption, to get them to understand, you know, the reasons why we may need to choose other things, or give an opportunity to play by different rules or or whatever it may be. So um, I think what would be really interesting is is do some research research where we can you know, like I love this article and I love the quotes from kids. I always love these types of pieces where we can hear what the kids want to, want to say what they're thinking, but wouldn't it be really neat to kind of dig a little deeper into the disruptions that students experience in a class and to be able to have that critical friend, i.e. the teacher, be able to work them through these situations. So Donald does go back to the modeling piece, but maybe so much modeling, maybe the conflict resolution in this space versus, um, Generally
2: saying you know modeling SEL in general. Yeah, so I mean like w- w- what we haven't discussed yet with this was that uh, I mean these teachers th- w- with their schools as well they were um, th- They were cultivating uh, these this this uh, culture I suppose of dialogue with their students Um And through this dialogue that they were having with students on a daily basis in New Zealand uh, over And this isn't just a short period of time. This was over two years and they were found themselves the teachers found themselves moving away from traditional practices of dialogue where you sit i listen um they were also uh recognizing the value of uh the student's voice students themselves in turn then were recognizing the value of the students voices as well too and uh they were using very constructive language in dialogue and the teacher was deliberately at times you know making mistakes picking up on mistakes asking students to comment on what they think is the right thing to do and like you talked about, like making these teachable moments. That, so but what we found was really special, I was about the, the, the New Zealand uh, setting was that teachers were able to teach SCL through all their subjects. Um, so these teachable moments were occurring in maths. They were occurring in physical education. They were occurring in uh, English. They were co- occurring in the playground as well, too. Uh, and that probably goes a bit beyond what we're talking about here today, I suppose. But uh, it shows us that this can be done as part of what we're already doing, which comes back a little bit to what Jennifer is saying about, you know, that, that there is time there and there is scope there to do it provided you're willing to do it as well too. Um, but again, I suppose it's just about whether where people, where teachers heads are at when they're in the classroom and what, you know, what, what's going to happen today, the day after or tomorrow. And especially right now, I know you talk about these teachable moments where you see all these teachers, uh, even ourselves as as instructors in universities, we're completely changing our assessments, and we're actually providing assessments that are up to date with the current uh, situation. I know I've a group of students where yeah. we're actually asking them to write a learning experience about what COVID nineteen, the impact that's had on their physical activity and health and wellness and exercise. You know, yeah. um, interestingly, Chad Killian from Georgia is it Georgia Tech or University of Georgia? I can't. I'm not sure where Chad Killian has done a podcast, with Risto. Uh, just yesterday, I think about the challenges teachers face now with uh, and how they can respond to that with some online uh, Blended blended online instruction over the coming weeks Um uh, because it's a, an area that really hasn't been touched I suppose But I've kind of answered a couple of things there that you were talking about Judy. Sorry But uh, those are some responses I guess that I can give to you about that and in particular This type of data set that Ben is talking about, you know
0: That's great. Uh, Thank you, uh, Judy, and Donald, and uh, Jennifer. Uh, Moving on, um, so social emotional learning is an an important part of students listening to students, Uh, so I think that's something we should always keep in mind, that we want uh, to foreground the student's voice here. Uh, Next point, uh, most importantly, uh, the cooperative learning tasks need to be structured in a uh, complex manner so that there are multiple solutions. So, in other words, we're not talking about basic cooperative learning tasks, we're talking about complex problem solving tasks that require effort. There are many cooperative learning structures that are very simplistic, and that's not what we're talking here. And, uh, we'll, you know, in physical education, we talk about offense and defense, and math would be talking, Jennifer, I'm sure you could come up with a a uh, problem-solving task for us in algebra or geometry uh, or numbers. Uh, And for example, uh, encourage teachers to create invitations. So in other words, a teacher might say, I invite you to choose how you set up your defense in your modified soccer game or how you set up your offense or where do your players go? So... Uh, this and physical education, you know, when we get, uh, hopefully a bit of check-in, but we're supposed to have sport education coming up soon with Peter Hasty and uh, Tristan Walhead, and I'm sure they'll talk about these kinds of things in their uh, pedagogical practice. So, folks, uh, I'm just going to finish this off, and then we'll go to questions for the remainder of the time we have. So, students and teachers did seem to uh, align social-emotional learning with academic learning. But as I said earlier, it didn't seem to be a priority of the teachers. Uh, Interestingly enough, even though it doesn't seem to be a priority of teachers in New Zealand, New Zealand's OECD scoring is very high. Um, And then, of course, one thing that we did mention earlier is, well, there is a lot of rhetoric, uh, both educationally and politically, about social-emotional learning. and we would argue that it's not matched with the empirical evidence or school-based qualitative research with teachers and, of course, with students, and we would argue for more qualitative research, not just quantitative numbers, not just uh, observational instruments that show fidelity or um, surveys or checklists. Uh, We're talking that we ask the students, we hang out with the teachers and students and we try to find innovative ways of uh, collecting good qualitative data like photo voice or video voice or whatever uh, we can do or perhaps even something online because uh, that's going to be where we're going in the future. So what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to stop this uh, screen share and uh, we've got everybody's face there now. Hello. I'm the least Dyson one (laughs) because um, my zoom didn't work. And so you could ask questions about that paper or about anything. And let's try to wrap it up in the next 10 minutes. Uh, Not that we don't want to be here, but uh, I just want to respect everyone's time and uh, particularly this stressful time of the, of our lives with, uh, Anything that's going on around us? Anybody?
1: I really am appreciating the, the eye on complexity and stuff that, that you've got in here. And I know that didn't sound really scholarly of me to say, but... Go for it. Just this whole... <laughs> just this whole um, the fact that, um, that it is messy and that it doesn't go the way that we planned and that we... Um, don't have a lot of qualitative work out there from PE folks around um, around any of this, that I'm certainly appreciating that there is the, um, just the ideas that that it's not going to be neat and that it is going to be messy and that if we can even if all that we can really do is describe and tell from the voice of the students and from the voice of these teachers what's happening that's huge um for us as scholars and for them as educators like if i had been able to get my hands on this kind of um, these kinds of findings I, i think that it's all moving in the right direction, and yes. So you, it, it may they may not have done it with fidelity, right? But even as Donald was saying earlier, just one of these, just one teacher, one time does these and has an experience that gets shared, is sometimes more than than we can actually even ask for. And just to get that um, feels like a, a definite move in the right direction. Um, just and being a, being willing to sit in this uncertainty, um, I know is also sort of becoming the focus of the the world of learning sciences that the learning sciences people are trying to move away as well from this very quantitative approach and looking more at what how does learning sciences um, embrace this this qualitative ideas of you know, productive failure and uncertainty and getting those pieces um, out qualitatively as well.
0: Thank you, Jennifer. really appreciate that insight. Well, uh, yeah,
3: from my understanding, this, this, this research, this paper is really good qualitative research, uh, you know, examining students' perspective of corporate learning and uh, also, Previous, also, previous research also reported a gap of uh leak of evidence of students, you know, uh, effective learning outcomes. I think this paper will be a very good, uh, will provide a very good evidence to fill that gap. Yeah, so uh, another thing that I want to say is uh, in uh, my critical analysis and Uh, when Dr. Dyson provided me feedback and asking me what similarity and differences between corporate learning and social emotional learning. Mm -hmm. So from my understanding, uh, corporate learning, first of all, corporate learning is a pedagogy, but social emotional learning is a concept. Social emotional learning is kind of like an umbrella, and corporate learning is just one pedagogy tool to achieve the outcome of social-emotional learning, but the tools can the tools can be other model-based practice such as TPSR or adventure learning. So mm-hmm. it's different tools. Uh, so, uh, uh, so that is my understanding of similarity and differences between corporate learning and social-emotional learning. And also I think uh, one thing I'm just thinking about, uh, because corporate learning just one tool to achieve the outcome of social emotional learning that uh, probably probably the corporate learning uh, corporate learning cannot achieve all the outcomes of social emotional learning. So that gave the uh, gave the space or possibility to combine some of the model-based practices together to achieve social emotional learning. You know? So, for example, last in our last class, I just asked Dr. Han, uh, Dr. Hanfield about the question, mm-hmm. is re- restorative practice can be applicable in the corporate learning? So that question, what I mean is because corporate learning has already pr- uh, demonstrated very strong evidence to facilitate students' social skills, but effective, the emotional uh, skills a little bit weak, you know, the evidence for the emotional skills mm-hmm. a little bit weak, mm-hmm. but... You know, and also the corporate learning uh, aligns well well with the values of restorative practice and restorative practice is very good good tool to develop or facilitate uh, the participants effective learning outcomes. So I think probably these two maybe can work together to achieve social motion learning in
0: a broader sense. That's a very interesting idea, Eddie, and thanks for bringing that up. Uh, Any other comments, folks?
2: I mean, it's just a very, uh, I mean, this isn't necessarily complicated either, Ben, is it? Mm -hmm. No. I mean, like the notion, like the concept, or sorry, the, the idea of cooperative learning and implementing cooperative learning structures, it's so, you know, we don't need to go into like data here or complexities or start listing off studies and this kind of stuff. Is that the very idea that a teacher? I see Jennifer smiling there. The very idea that we just a teacher actually works with their students and tries to get them to work together in a unified and cooperative manner using a diff- using the 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 structures that we we talk about. If it's not, it shouldn't be rocket science. You know. Uh, but unfortunately, what we're finding time and time again when we go into school settings or we talk mm-hmm. about school settings in general Is that this is seems to be it's more it's more of a novelty than the norm mm-hmm.
0: Right, yeah, and it, so we we need to sort of find better
2: approaches better ways of connecting it Is that I a question Ben is that a question then of socialization really is it when we speak about teachers, you know, yeah, maybe maybe it is so
0: Actually, I've talked to Kevin Richards about possibly writing an article on social emotional, learn, you know, well, cooperative learning and socialisation. So I think that that could be an interesting piece. Yeah, but we need to do a better job of that with any pedagogical practice or any good pedagogy. You know, we want to get away with the, from the multi activity approach to physical education. You know, or the so multi activity approach to physical education is kind of like just direct instruction, Jennifer. Is that fair? Yeah. Is that fair, Judy? Um,
5: yeah. yeah, I was I was thinking, I love how, you know, um, in both pieces, you, you highlight the, the different elements to cooperative learning. But then I go back to even uh, when I discuss with my cooperating teachers or any teacher at any level, whether it's pre-service through a career uh, teacher, when I say, how do you define cooperation in your class? It's Mm -hmm. always so interesting how different these definitions can be. So I guess uh, to piggyback on some of Jennifer's questions to other scholars is how do you take this information and break it down to that practitioner's Mm -hmm. piece? I think about, for example, um, you know, back when I was teaching elementary school physical education and I had them for one day a week, uh, some, some years only for 30 minutes, depending on the grade level. And you have to kind of figure out which parts of this is super important. It's all important, but what can you actually, you know, what's the most important at that time based on um, not just your context, but possibly this whole school context and different things that are going on within a school culture and how, what you may be teaching could, eventually catapult into something that is a school-wide initiative. Um, I always tell my cooperating teachers, or I'm sorry, my student teachers will say, well, I'm teaching cooperation. I said, well, what does that look like? And how do you define it? And how are you assessing it? So it's, it's just a real interesting uh, idea. I, I do show them the, the five elements, but I think sometimes two practitioners have a hard time defining what these should look like in their classroom space. So I thought it was really interesting in the first piece where, you know, when we think about the the general, um classroom teacher who has to teach so many different content areas how they were thinking for example i forget who said it but the think peer share what that really means they were taught to do that for whatever reason but they didn't really think about the interconnectedness of this concept across the school culture there's no question in that just an observation
0: yeah i think it's a good observation there judy
2: I think another interesting observation as well too is that i suppose with the data that you've you've gathered ben as well too and we're we're not trying to big up cooperative learning here or kind of put it in some sort of a pedestal above uh their we've been talking about because what we found what we found in the data as well is that students were identifying enjoyment and disappointment while they were working in groups and there were instances of frustration and there were problems and there was times where uh cooperative learning occurred because students weren't being cooperative in the first place You know, (laughs) so, uh, I mean, it's it's just, I mean, it's just about being able to appreciate that, you know, instances of non-cooperation lead to cooperation as well, too. But you have to have the appropriate pedagogical approaches or structures in place that allow, like Judy said, these moments Mm -hmm. to become teachable. It's not that you just walk into a room and suddenly you snap your fingers and everyone's cooperative. But things will happen, or instances happen, and it's if you have the skills and the structures and the strategies similar to like a cooperative learning approach and other approaches we've talked about Mm -hmm. uh, this um, over the course of this uh, Mm -hmm. these podcasts, then we're definitely in a better position to keep to keep moving forward with our students and what we're doing.
0: Great, thank you, Donald. Good comments. Uh, Very. Insightful, and I really like the way you're connecting it back to the school. As we want to do with this class, and in all our classes. So, uh, if anybody has a final comment, please share it. But otherwise, I think we're probably ready to pull the the pen or to say bye bye. Um, but I'll give you ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four. Three, two, one. Eight. Thank you all for contributing. Uh, I know I haven't been on my best form uh, today, but I managed to struggle through it with uh, this topic. And I thank you all for supporting me on that and great questions and great interactions. And uh, kia ora, which means thank you in Māori. and Māori. Tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou katoa. And we'll be in touch.